keep on kissing babies and hugging fat girls. Sell out full of suffering, suck attach, son. It's me, Austin. Oh, son of a bitch. What? It's me, Austin. It was me all along, Austin. And you teeth look like two tight too, Billy. And you book a match with me. That's right, Killing. Look at me. I'm a total package. I will rip him apart. I'm pissed now. Where to, Stephanie? <laughs> total. Marks with Dan St. Germain. Welcome everybody to Total Effin' Marks. I am the king of sad style, the man with the largest caps in the world, the St. Germain event. Joining me as always, Andy Cups, Robert Karpolis. It's the best day of the week, whatever day you're listening to this. Uh, which our audience, they usually, you know, for the first 24 hours, that's where the majority of uh, our listeners Listen to this, I imagine, on a lot of sad truck driving trips. Not that, uh, not that I'm predicting. But uh, also, we got Zach Attack. Scott is not here, but we got a special guest who's coming in later at the 10 count. Let's get right to it. Number one, Murphy and Aaliyah sitting in a tree. K-I-S-S-I-N-G. Hopefully, that's it, though. Uh, Robert, what do you think about this? Do you, first off, am I, am, I, am I being too premature on this? Is this going to be like a romantic angle, a Romeo and Juliet type thing? Or, uh, or is, is it just like everything else in WWE, a.k.a. Demi, going to just disappear? No, they, they don't do subtle very well. Um, I think I said this a few weeks ago. It was strange that they started bringing her to TV and weren't doing anything with her where a wrestler was hitting on her. I think this is absolutely where they're going to go with it. It's a little awkward that she's now attracted to the guy who blinded her father and beat the shit out of her brother. And she beat the shit out of him. Maybe that she knows he's kinky. Like, that's what she's into. <laughs> I, yeah, I, you know what? I kind of dig this angle, though. I don't, I usually hate wrestling romance angles, especially, like, especially the ones that are really, like, the, remember that Rusev Ziggler one where it just looked like, like, neither of the three wanted to be in the angle but i don't know this one maybe could work and maybe gets more more legs out of it i do want to see like seth rollins as the suburban mom driving them both to <laughs> like like uh barnes and noble and amc whatever wherever the fuck they uh i used to go on dates in high school um but he's you know, chaperoning them at a cold stone creamery <laughs> he does have the voice of a karen seth rollins Hey, hey, don't touch her. Come on. He has the, Seth Rollins has the same voice as the old lady from Throw Mom Off the Train. Like, almost exactly. But I thought that Seth was really good in that match. Man, I I like him a lot better as, like, a smarmy heel than as this, um, you know, like, you know, like you would say, like a Randy Orton type heel. I I like him when when he's more vulnerable. Because he doesn't feel like he's playing a character. Like, you can believe Seth Rollins is a dick who's a little, you know, bipolar in the way that he right. acts. Um, th- this gives the story additional legs. And what's nice about Aaliyah is she's a blank slate as far as the audience is concerned. And they're probably not going to put her in this position unless they have some confidence that she can carry a segment to some degree. You know, they brought the, right. the Bachelor 
woman in because I guess she was a personality on that show, and now she's she's vanished into the raw underground. But I think the only challenge with with Aaliyah is going to be because I can hear Vince's voice in my in my mind. There's already an Aaliyah in NXT. You can't have two, so they're probably going to change uh, her name if they keep her on TV. They'll probably change the NXT girl's name, right? They're not going to change somebody in the Mysterio family dynasty. I don't know how well established she is on TV that they've really given her much of a name. Right. They may have said it once, but they can always say like you know whatever now that she now that she's under seth and murphy they can christen her something brand new i mean what i really hope <laughs> is that somehow kane gets involved like they're about to get married and then kane comes down and for some reason she's forced to elope with him um but i don't think that's gonna happen uh <laughs> that's so awkward too because kane is like uh seems like the most decent dude backstage out of everybody i mean you've worked with him i haven't um, but and he's always involved in these ankles where it's like kick a baby into the crowd or force a woman into marriage slash sex slavery slash fuck a dead lady. But it does kind of fit. Like if you've watched any of these serial killer documentaries, it's always like the quiet, reserved guy. Right. That you're like, oh, his freezer's full of, you know, body parts. You know, Glenn Jacobs, very nice guy, very approachable, very polite guy. I, I could see cadavers rotting somewhere in, in his mayoral <laughs> mansion. You know that we talked about that on the show that on apparently the first draft to see no evil, he was supposed to have like a three foot cock. Yes. Uh, he, he was, but then, uh, you know, Vince thought that was a little small and uh, <laughs> he's like, we don't want to make him look weak. But uh, look, I think this, this works because now you can do this Murphy, Aaliyah, Romeo and Juliet story and either, Aaliyah turns heel on her dad because everyone turns on Ray, uh, or it goes the other way around. And this is a way to, to turn Murphy babyface and have him as this sympathetic guy who he's in love with his enemy's daughter. Yeah, it'll be interesting. You know, he's so great in the ring and he's got a great look. Uh, his promos aren't bad, um, but, you know, it, it does need to, I feel like they need to, you know, improve a little bit. Maybe, maybe he's a guy who, doesn't need a net. I, I really, it's, it's, it's really hard to tell, but. They haven't given him much of a chance. I mean, they right. just, they have to get him out of this wetsuit that they have him in. It looks, it looks ridiculous. It is. Um, dude, I like the old, uh, I like the old pants that he had when he was in the cruiserweight division that were like kind of ripped, kind of like yeah. endless summer sort of thing going on. They, they definitely looked, uh, they look better. I mean, but the problem is here, anytime you pull one of these romance angles in place and then they wind up ultimately actually sleeping together it's going to wind up being a bit of a disaster. Oh my God. Let's, let's hope not. Let's hope not. There is, you know, people have brought up like he's a lot older than her. Uh, like, cause he's like 30 in her early thirties and she's like 19 or 20, but in wrestling, that's age appropriate. You know, that, that seems totally par, par for par for the course. I mean, <laughs> he's already made the mistake cause he was with uh, Alexa for a while before they right. broke up. So, you know, he knows the perils of dating somebody in the business, not to mention you're dating someone, a, a legend's kid. And it sounds like from Dominic's perspective, WWE has a lot of faith in him that he's going to be a, a, a top player for them for the next little while. Well, I, I, you know, like I would love to see him in any main event. I think he's already proven that he could be in the main event on any show as far as far as work rate wise. Uh, I do. I don't want them to be compared to Romeo and Juliet because uh, that relationship ended in a drug overdose, 
and we know that that also happens a lot in wrestling. So I don't know. Let's Desdemona Othello. Wait, that's not good either. So one of the one of the comedies. One one of the comedies. Well, the good news is is that most WWE angles never make it to the end anyway. So I'm yeah. sure they're going to be just fine. You know, hopefully, uh, hopefully this one does. I I do like it. And it's working, man. I mean, they did pretty good this past week against, you know, against Monday Night Football. And, you know, it was a depressing Monday Night Football if you're a Giants fan. But um, yeah, that, that wasn't that wasn't good. But you know what? I think that shows that there's a core audience and that's who this has been whittled down to. It's not like years past where the right. raw audience was so big and then you see the casual fan trickle away to Monday Night Football. I think that given everything with COVID and having to watch all these shows in the Performance Center and now Thunderdome, you're down to your loyal core base who's just used to tuning into Raw. They're not going to click over to, to Monday Night Football. They're going to stick with whatever WWE is putting out there. It, it, is such a, like, uh, it is such a different time, though, if you like look at the numbers for like – even like the numbers of the last Seinfeld, which were $70 million, and the last numbers of – uh, Big Bang Theory, which I think was were like twenty million. So I mean, and both of them were the hottest comedies on TV. So just seeing that, you know, like, it, it's just never. There's just too many options. It's never going to be what it used to be, and that, that's not a good or a bad thing. It's it's just a thing. Number two, we've heard rumors about who's in retribution. What choices would piss the smart marks off the most, and who do you hope is in it? I'll start with you, Robert, and then we'll go to Zach. So I think that uh, they've already established now who Retribution is, not in terms of the individual wrestlers, but that these are jaded developmental talent who have been waiting for their push and haven't gotten it. So I think the choice that would piss the smart marks off the most is if Retribution was being led by Bill DeMott and this was him <laughs> getting revenge. You know what? You guys fired me for my training tactics. <laughs> this gorilla you know, militant group, and they're invading. Just keeps, uh, he keeps forcing Drew McIntyre and Keith Lee to do naked push-ups. People are like, this is gross. He keeps putting donuts in people's faces and then rubbing <laughs> someone's ass in it. It's like, he's, that would be the best payoff uh, to upset the audience. In terms of who I actually hope is behind it now, since it's not going to be Heyman, since Heyman's on, uh, on SmackDown, uh, I, I think it'd be interesting, given that he's back, to use Wade Barrett and do the second bite at the apple with Nexus that he's, you know, he's like, Hey, I saw what happened with a group of talented developmental wrestlers who never got their fair chance. So now I've, I've handpicked this new group of people and I'm going to lead them to the success we couldn't do before. I for sure would pop for that, but I like him on NXT so much right now. I, I don't want to fuck with a good thing. Um, who, who are we talking? Oh, yeah, we were talking about Bill DeMott. Um, that guy, I mean, I, you know, like, I got to give that guy credit because he was, like, one of Goldberg's. He was Goldberg's first opponent, right? Or was he the second opponent? I think he was the first televised opponent. Which is, I mean, you know, is scary. Goldberg, a.k.a. over Nia Jax. Uh, I think what would, piss off, what would piss the most people off is if, like, they take off the hood of the main guy really slowly and it's Vince just going, it was me, Austin. It was me the whole time. Uh, who, as far as who do I hope is in it, I do, I do like that Wade Barrett. I think CM, yeah, CM Punk it would be a little weird. I, I still, I think I said this on the show already. It would be kind of cool to have like, like Drake Maverick come in and some of the other people that were released and 
you know, he's like, I had to do this bullshit video, you know, crying my heart out for all you people. But who knows? That may that may get into meta Vince Russo territory. Zach, who do you hope is in it? Who do you think would piss the smart marks off the most? I think Tony Khan's going to be in it. And <laughs> I think it's going to be all those AEW guys. And then the real climax of the story is that Vince bought AEW as well. Oh, Jesus Christ. Could you imagine the outcry? <laughs> Back, dude, like, well, here's, like, uh, backstage in the AEW last night, fucking Tony Khan, wear a suit. Like, I don't think everyone has to wear a suit backstage, but if you're the head of a company, don't wear, like, jorts and the, and the merch. Come on, man. Well, those were basketball shorts. This was definitely, like, he just came out of his dorm room uh, after a couple bong rips, sat down. You could see, like, Dorito dust all over him while he's producing TV. I feel like at any moment I felt like his mustached father was just going to come in and like slap him around like Don Corleone or some shit. Number three, before we get to number three, we are very fortunate to have a very talented writer from Sports Illustrated. You've probably read his stuff about pro wrestling. Ladies and gentlemen, put your hands together at home for Justin Barrasso, everybody. Gentlemen, thank you very much. I, I couldn't help but laugh at that vanished into the raw underground line, Robert. And, uh, Dan, I didn't know Big Bang Theory did that that big a number. It did a pretty big number for for the last uh, last episode. I think it was twenty million. And if I'm wrong, then I don't know a fact about the Big Bang Theory. So either way, I win. <laughs> uh, number three, NXT or AEW? I thought both shows were good last night. Uh, Justin, which show do you think took the cake? For last night, I think it was AEW. I just think last night was, you know, NXT is good, but there's just so much creativity in AEW on Dynamite. I liked last week how we saw, it's funny, guys, we've seen in, in Dustin Rhodes' case forever, I feel like, yeah. the family. Um, but you know, Brody Lee, Dustin Rhodes last week was a really good uh, finish to the show. And then this week with um, the street fight, it was just, I, I, I can't picture, it was so unpredictable and different with the talent involved. I can't see any of the WWE shows ending that way. NXT included. Uh, I really liked it. I thought last night, again, it started off uh, with the tag team match. I thought it was really well done. The women's match was good. Thunder Rose is saving that women's division um, or rejuvenating it. Uh, but yeah, I thought, I thought last night it was AEW's night. Yeah, I wonder if they're going to do an NWA title match next and then they're going to have a rubber match. And man, if I was AEW, I'd try to sign her. But uh, yeah. Robert, what, what do you think? So as much as it pains me to say this, um, after a few weeks of, of really piling it on, I think AEW Dynamite blew it out of the water. Wow. Um, I think that – and Scott's not here to, to hear it, so I'm sure, <laughs> Scott, wherever you are, uh, he felt like a, a burning sensation in the back of his neck. But uh, I thought NXT was technically a very proficient show. It was it – was I, mean, I thought the Io Shirai-Shotzi-Blackheart match over-delivered for who no, they were. Great. Shotzi looked fantastic. Great. I like how they're shifting Kushida's character. I really like what they're doing with Austin Theory. They're making him into sort of their MJF a little bit, that he's the smarmy, cocky, young, brash heel uh, who keeps getting his comeuppance. I liked Fashion Police Imperium a lot. I thought that was a really solid match. Uh, the, the main event was Damian Priest, so I think we all know what I'm going to think of there. I, yeah. He, I could I – could God bless Timothy Thatcher, man. He fucking tried. I mean, he put he, – he, he did – he put that was the best Damian Priest match I've seen in WWE. Thanks to that dude, by far. But I was surprised that Thatcher lost clean. 
Uh, I think yeah. the best part of the entire show for NXT was that Finn Balor pre-tape promo. It was exactly the promo that we had talked about, the position he was going to be in when he won the title, which was, you know, hey, years ago, I needed to, to bust my ass in NXT. Now I've come back as a world champion, and I've now made this the most important title there is, and I am the brand. And I said that WWE was going to have to put NXT behind Finn and make, the, make this AEW against Finn Balor. And that's what it looks like they're going to do. AEW, this was a tape, this was their tape show. So they, you know, there weren't going to be a lot of huge surprises on it per se. Uh, a lot of really great matches. I thought FTR, I thought that was this was probably one of the best Jurassic Express matches I had ever seen. They booked them well as the as the yeah. underdogs. Uh, Adam Page. Great, great finish, great old school NWA finish. Yeah. Great, great old school finish, great match with Page and Kazarian, the way they told the Kenny Omega story of Page looking back sad and not seeing Kenny there. It was subtle. It worked. Yeah. Uh, and then that that main event parking lot brawl was really, really spectacular. The the mo- the way they used Orange Cassidy in this, Dan, goes back mm-hmm. to what you've always said. He's their undertaker. Right. And he got that mystique back. My, it's funny, Sorry, I think Trent's the guy out of that crew, though. I know they, they earmarked Cassidy for success. I don't know how far, and I like Orange Cassidy. I think there's always a place for him like taker in the sense that he's an attraction right especially with the crowd whenever if we ever get crowds back but what do you, i think trent's the guy out of that out of those three he's he's just unique he's got size did you work with him i never worked with with trent but it's funny you say that when we were doing our preview show for the last pay-per-view in terms of who i thought was going to win their battle royal he was my he was my pick because i think that there's a i think he's got that kofi kingston ability to really break out as a strong singles competitor Hasn't done it anywhere. New Japan came close, then he left, but it just hasn't happened. But I got to ask you real quick, just knowing what you know, and we've talked about Shotzi before when she was in the, we were texting, I think, about Shotzi in the crowd when the, at the performance center, and you said Vince wouldn't maybe, was it, it was the hair or just something about her style. I mean, Shotzi is phenomenal. Like you said, that match over delivered last night uh, with the Ashurai. What happens when she goes to the main roster or is that just, just don't go? I think she's still, there's still a long road to go for her before they're going to put her on the main roster. I think once she gets to the main roster, they'll get behind it with the, with the, the neon hair because it is a different look. I think where she was running into an issue was they were putting her in the crowd during uh, Raw and SmackDown there at the Performance Center, and it was just going to be annoying for Vince to see that for three hours. He's going to probably forget all about that, and he's going to see, number one, the marketability of the hair and the marketability of that little tank. And that's something that's going to sell toys and, and video games. And that's a, that's a great female character for them to hold up. Plus, uh, being the fact that she's Latina, they can use her for all the different diversity promotions that they always like to run. So there's a lot of benefits to, uh, to putting some steam behind Shotzi. I think that's why they like Damien Priest so much. He's Latino Baron Corbin. Uh, as far as they both like came from the same Affliction t-shirt depot. Uh, yeah, with Shotzi, I, I really liked... You know, like she did the promo where she stapled her, her uh, stapled it to her chest, and then she, you know, that that one spot she did at Evolve is is still like one of the I don't know how she's alive from that when she like went through that chair. My my only problem with Shotzi is it's it's almost like a little manufactured like death metal. You know, it seems like if like the CW had a death metal character, uh, that that's my only my only thing. And I mean, that's just a I mean, look, that's a WWE thing in general is. Is they're you know they're they're trying to take this to the masses so 
it's it, you know it's going to get watered down. But I, I thought they put on a great match, and Io Shirai was incredible. People are talking about the main event of AEW being match of the year candidate. I wouldn't go that far. My uh, my knock on the match was that a face you know interfered to help two baby faces win. Which you know, like I was talking to Mike Lawrence last night. He he doesn't have a problem with that. Uh, maybe maybe I'm just in the minority. Um, but you know, I thought both shows were good. I mean, my big takeaway from both of those shows is fucking move NXT to Tuesday. There doesn't need to be a war anymore. Every like, especially if you're USA Network, you're like, wait a minute. Like last week when they were running up unopposed, we almost had a million viewers. Like, and now we're back down to six hundred and seven hundred thousand viewers. Like. Like, put them on Tuesday. I'll watch wrestling four nights a week. I have no life. My wife will eventually leave me, but put it on Tuesday. So I think there's there's two things. One, I think the, the biggest part of that parking lot brawl that was unbelievable was when Tony Schiavone pointed out that they look like uh, dead presidents. There's no way he's ever seen the movie Dead Presidents. Um, <laughs> I would be shocked. They're never going to – WWE's never going to move NXT – because Jericho, he knows what he's doing. He keeps taking these shots of NXT is is losing. I don't know why they're doing this. This is foolish. If Vince caves on this, he will never hear the end of it. And Vince doesn't back down. USA is still going to be thrilled with getting 660,000 views mm-hmm. on a random Wednesday night. Like, they're, they're not going to be sad. A step further, it's... It- I agree, and, and Jericho's so smart. One of those interviews, he said, let him, let him retreat to Tuesdays, which I'm sure he knows what he's doing. But you say Vince. Triple H, Paul Levesque doesn't want to leave. I mean, I just think he's too stubborn. Stubbornness is a good thing, right? But I don't think he wants to leave either. No, I, I, don't, think that, I don't think that either one of them want to retreat. They see it as a long, as a, a, a long game. And AEW, we, we've seen it a few times over the last several weeks, not this week, but the last several weeks, they make missteps. And eventually some of those missteps are going to catch up to them as far as WWE is concerned. And that there isn't enough of a farm system that AEW has to continue making new stars. Whereas NXT, they can endure for a long time pulling in a half million, 600,000 viewers. And USA is going to be happy as a pig and shit because it's not another night of NCIS. Dan, I, I, I'm wondering, too, you know, you guys talked about Balor. Like, it's interesting to think of Karrion Cross as the champion here. You have Balor, he's kind of the gatekeeper, right? He was early. He didn't lose a takeover, but he's early in the shows. I, I don't know what he's doing there. I, I love him and his champion. Right. Clearly, that wasn't the plan. But, like, with Cross as champion, I, I don't – and I like Karrion Cross. I just don't know. I, I thought it was rushed. How, like – to me, it makes a lot more sense now with Balor at the top instead of Karrion Cross. Yeah, I, I agree. And I, I think when you see Karrion Cross's act, you know, like especially the entrance and he's got Scarlett Bordeaux looks hot as shit and he comes out and there's fucking great theme music and smoke. It's a, it's built for the main roster. It's already a main roster act. It, it's the closest thing to like why they would start with Braun Strowman on the main roster. Like that guy should be on Raw feuding with Drew McIntyre already. Uh, but you know, look, I, I, I'm excited that there's this much good wrestling. I heard the new Ring of Honor is fucking awesome, too, and I just don't have time. I already watched three goddamn promotions, and I'm going to probably watch Talking Shop Mania. I can't watch another one, even though I heard it's great. Number four, Daniel Cormier begs Vince to sign him up for commentary. He talked about uh, doing commentary for six months and then Roman Reigns pushing him. Uh, I question for you guys. You get to sign one MMA wrestler to a WWE contract. 
Money is no option, but it can't be Conor McGregor. Who do you sign? CM Punk. <laughs> Holy shit, that was FTW, Zach. I, I didn't even see that fucking coming. Zach, I hate you so much because literally what I have written here is CM Punk. Uh, <laughs> so, like, we're on match game. Like, uh, you know, I'm Paul Lind right now. I had CM Punk. <laughs> That's Paul Lind. Justin? I, I, I'd go short term. I think Cormier would work in the broadcast booth. Um, I do think, the, you know, and I asked him that question, right? I asked him, it, but the, I know he loves WWE. We were talking, and I thought it would be a good, uh, you know, it's, he's passionate about it. So I thought it was, in, and he is dynamic on the broadcast. He's, he's, a great, he's great on commentary. For MMA, absolutely. He's, he, the shows are better when he's part of it. I'd actually like to see for three weeks. I don't want to go huge with this, but three weeks. I want to see – I always like Ken Shamrock. I don't think he gets enough credit for the uh, his role in that. And obviously, Bret Hart and, and Steve Austin were special, and, and they did what they did. Mm-hmm. Shamrock added an, an immense amount of electricity to that match at WrestleMania. I think it's the greatest match of all time. He, he played a role in it. Uh, didn't end well. He, I know he left. Shamrock's got a – I just read the Jonathan Snowden book, which was outstanding. That's great. That's great. I'd love to see him for Excellent. two weeks do well in Raw Underground and then have somebody, Dolph, I don't know, pick, take your pick. Somebody throws him out in, in week three, but like, I don't know. And he, he's older, but like he'd look good, better in a t-shirt and jeans than he does an impact in the ring in tights just because he's a little bit older. I, I, I think Raw Underground to me has so much potential, but it just makes no sense. There's no rhyme or reason to how it started or where it is. I don't know. How do you get there? I, I'd like to see Shamrock for two weeks do well there, and then in the third week, you know, put somebody over and, and make somebody look good. You know, my, my thing was, um, I think that's a, I, I'd love to see Shamrock back. And I even think Shamrock, like, pitching himself as the Shane McMahon role would have been cool as shit. For me, even though I don't like this guy personally, I think he could work in WWE, and that would be Colby Covington. Uh, and here's why. <laughs> You want to get you want to get Big E over like they they stumbled upon something great a couple weeks ago when uh, Big E and Miz were like Miz clearly didn't understand what systematic racism was and then when Miz realized he kind of you know to Miz's credit when he realized he was in over his head the next week he kind of course corrected but if you really want to fucking get Big E over have like a Make America Great Again guy come in start like pushing him around. And he's also got that MMA fighter heat. So he's like, I'm real. You guys are fake. I mean, holy shit, that would, that would build him big. But, you know, I mean, like, <laughs> is it a problematic choice? Of course. But wrestling's problematic. It's a bunch of fucking carnies and freaks trying to go up against one another. And Covington's a guy who was about to get released. Right? He was going to get cut from the USC. Yeah. He changed course. He pivoted. He shifted. He was smart, right, whether you, whether you agree right. with the, the character or not. That's a, he plays a character. He plays a role. Uh, but it, but it all, and he's a good fighter. He's boring, but he's a very talented fighter. Right. The style just doesn't lend to excitement, but he could play that role. I'm not saying I'd want him, but he's that guy. He, he could play, clearly he could play a role. Yeah. I, think that, no, I was going to say, I think there's, there's definitely potential for certain guys to do that crossover. I think one of the strongest crossover wrestlers that I saw from MMA to, to wrestling was filthy Tom Lawler. Uh, when we had him in MLW, he, you know, he blew it out of the water, not only in the ring by being a legitimate fighter who could do, who could make the wrestling moves look, uh, look real, but his personality, his character, that cockiness that comes when you're an MMA fighter translates so well into the, the wrestling realm. 
uh, I think he would absolutely kill it if they gave him a shot in WWE. He looked great on Japan, a too. On the American show. Another guy too, uh, Dan. What a what a mistake it turned out to be for Kane Velasquez. Like what an awesome start he had with AAA. He could have been a very unique version of their Brock in AEW, uh, but he also had a lucha style. And he came to WWE and they they put a label on him. They made him something he wasn't. They had him losing under three minutes. What was that? He, we didn't see him again. And they cut. They released him. I mean. Just talk about ruining someone's stock value in wrestling. He, he also, I mean, you know, anybody who knows anything about MMA knows that Cain Velasquez is 30 times the fighter that Brock Lesnar is. But he doesn't look like he's 30 times. <laughs> he looks, he, I mean, he just looks like, uh, you know, somebody said him, his, the bot, like the body type between him and Dominic, it's, it's pretty close. You know, there, there's a lot, there's a lot to go there. But yeah, I, I don't know, man. I, I just don't know how that good, that guy, is as far as a promo he's just not the best um he just doesn't have a lot of charisma you know so number five scott's new japan corner scott's not here the g1s this weekend justin do you have any um do you have any predictions who do you think is going to take the g1 this year i think it's jay white i i do oh I think really yeah that's chance to shine i mean i'm biased i think um every every short performer in every sport i just like uh but i think that t- Tom Hero Ishii, I think Ishii is just phenomenal. This is the chance. If, if, if New Japan were going to do something unique and different and, and ever go a different route, like we saw with Evil, there's, I mean, you can't worry about ticket sales, I don't think, at the Tokyo Dome show, just because it's, it's, it's a few months away. It's January. It's, we're still in the midst of, I know Japan's doing better with the pandemic than, than we are in the States, but I would go with Ishii. I would, I would, uh, he is magic when you let him go. He can make everyone from he, Kenny Omega, in my opinion, had his best matches. I think they were better than than the Okada matches. Oh, I well, I saw in Long Beach that Ishii Kenny Omega match. It was Incredible, real, unbelievable. Un- and he, you know, I just think there's something so unique about him. Maybe he doesn't win at Wrestle Kingdom, but I think that this is if you ever wanted to see an Ishii run, if you ever wanted to give him a run, I don't think there'll be another time like this. Ishii's my guy. Robert, is Dick to go in it? <laughs> I think so. I think he is. And that's that's my that's my he's, pick. He's an alternate uh, in the B block. No, he's he's not in. I, I I'm gonna go with Suzuki just because the guys never had an IWGB you know heavyweight championship. It, it, it would be real like to see him versus Naito. He's the only one who could get more vicious than Naito in a main event. Does he? Do I think he goes over at Wrestle Kingdom? No, I don't. But I th- I think it would be a cool story. Uh, number six, SmackDown's ratings have been steadily increasing. What's behind the uptick? We'll start with you, Robert. It's got to be Roman. Uh, heel Roman Reigns partnered with Paul Heyman is giving the – you're giving red meat to your base. The audience has wanted since 2013 to see Roman Reigns as this type of heel, and now that they're getting it, every segment that Roman Reigns is in is now a must-watch segment whether it's what Paul Heyman's going to say, what Roman's going to say, how he's going to behave, how, how much of a heel he's going to be. He's an incredibly compelling character right now. And they're tapping into both the idea that the audience has always wanted to see Roman, the natural way in which Roman Reigns carries himself, and the fact that there's now these undertones playing into things like the, the Black Lives Matter cultural movement with this idea of, I need to hold this title for representation, to protect my family, to protect my legacy, to take back what the WWE tried to take from me. There's a lot of layers and elements to what he's doing, and I think it's really resonating with the audience. 
I didn't even think of that. Like, whenever somebody's Samoan, I just think, like, unicorn. I don't think, like, <laughs> like black, white, Latino. It's just like, yeah, they're their own thing. I don't know. Justin, wh- who do you, who do you, what do you think? I, I, I agree. I think it's just, it's different, right? I think we've, we, we think, we thought we'd seen everything, you know, Roman could do. We thought we'd see everything Paul Heyman could do. Um, and, and Paul, you know, Paul's so associated, obviously, intertwined with Brock. But Paul's whole history was bouncing around with different, different talent, you know, WWE. Um, Dangerous not, Alliance, all that shit. Yeah, yeah, and seeing what worked, right? Uh, that doesn't happen. I mean, he, he's. I know it's O two with Brock, but like the last eight years, and I know he had he had the Punk run, uh, he had the Curtis Axel run, very very briefly. <laughs> um, and I think everyone's forgot about for good reason. But um, I, I, it's just different. It's something we've never seen before. It's a weird, com- it's an odd, com- it's a peculiar combination. It works, or it's working. It's fun to see what happens next. And uh, we actually had the piece today, or today's Thursday, with, with Paul. And I thought he made a good point when he said that everyone around Brock has a new spotlight. Like, Brock's, uh, excuse me, around Roman. Roman's so relevant right now that if you're around him, uh, it's just a new light. It's different. And we're seeing that with, you know, in the, in the USO program. Um, I, I like it. I, I think SmackDown's fun. Two hours for a wrestling show, it flies by. It's fun. Maybe we could just compare it, or I compare it to Raw, and Raw drags so often. But, man, SmackDown's got a really nice uh, fluidity to it. Yeah, I mean, it was a, it was a great show. I, 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 love, I love the Roman-Paul Heyman act. I think it's fantastic. But ratings-wise, Bailey and Sasha have gotten the biggest ratings, apparently, within the demo. So, you know, I think it's a combination of both of, uh, both of those angles are super hot. And Dan, I'm sure you're waiting for Otis to cash in, right? I'm, I'm waiting for it. What do you do? You think you think you should go for the tag titles, or do you think like you make Roman a super heel by having him cash in on Roman, and Roman just beats the hell out of him in front of everybody? You know, I this might sound backwards. I don't think that hurts Otis. Like Otis is is an, is an underdog. Otis is Otis isn't supposed yeah. to win. Like he won at Mania, but that was his moment. I mean, I I um I don't know. I just I don't think it hurts. Otis to get squashed by by Roman. I don't think. Yeah, I mean, I I don't think you take the title off Roman. I mean, you know, the angle everyone's talking about is that he beats every member of his family, and then it leads to you know WrestleMania with The Rock. But you know, it, whether or not The Rock would want to do that, I mean, the guy's got more money than fucking God. And don't, but don't you devalue the? I don't want to say the tag, tag titles is cool, but don't you? I mean, wouldn't you get a title shot anyways? I don't know if you don't cash in on the world title, like say he 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 makes it goofy and goes to the twenty four seven. I feel like that just hurts the the brief the brief. Twenty four seven, I think, would totally make it goofy. But like, yeah. it would help Otis's character to be like, hey, I have a shot to get the heavyweight championship, and I'm gonna, you know, my friend Tucker, I'm not gonna leave him on the side. We're gonna go for the tag titles because that's something that we've always wanted to do. That's never gonna fucking happen because Vince, uh, you know doesn't think tag titles are as important. I don't think they're as important either. Um, but I do think they're more important than sometimes WWE makes them out to be. I'd certainly hope they win. If he, if he, if oh, my God. What if they don't? Oh, my God. What if they, they lose to the Street Profits on, like, a Raw? Holy shit. That would be the most underwhelming fucking – that would be like the Baron Corbin, Jinder Mahal roll-up. It would be a worse version of that. Yeah, but I think that's the way to Robert's do it. Ro- Robert's just rolling his eyes. Oh no, no, no! Because I think that's I think that's the that's the interesting narrative there. If Otis, who has the shot at the world title, decides that he's going to cash it in for the tag titles for him and his 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 quote unquote brother, and Tucker turns on him, and it's the whole 
I've had to put up with your spotlight for all these past several months, your, your bullshit, you know, relationship with Mandy Rose and that being on there. I haven't been, I haven't had my opportunity. I've been in your shadow. Screw you. Now you have a, a nice heel in Tucker and Otis is a much more sympathetic baby face, even though he looks like a, a, an idiot. I don't know, man. Tucker, Tucker for me is even more of a baby face than Otis. That's my only. He's kind of, he seems a little more nothing of the duo. I think Otis right. has the, has the, you know, that Tucker looks like the son of Henry Godwin. Yeah, but I almost feel like to make Otis shine, you need a guy like that next to him. You, you actually need a Gennetti, but, and thank God. Man. And by the way, thank God Marty Gennetti is not on our 10 count this week. Because <laughs> uh, he has been on the 10 count. And it's never for a good reason. Uh, I number like, uh, 80s what? wrestling reference, though. I like how he calls him Tucky. I don't know. I could just I hear it. I don't know. I mean, you don't hear t too many Tuckers called Tucky. But uh, I, I, I hope they take a page out of the New Day book and just keep them together. Um, yeah, I do too. Number seven, Talking Shop Mania announces ball for a ball match. Is this the best stipulation of all time? Or is this the very best stipulation of all time? Yeah, I, I got nothing, but I, I can't wait to see what these guys fucking do. It's going to be a beautiful shit show. Are you guys excited for this match? Oh, it's nuts. <laughs> Big one there. Uh, what the if we story, just pause for last 10 minutes time I did a piece no one got with, it? Uh, Gals and Anderson, Rocky Romero was part of it, too, for the, for the Talking Chop Mania. And it was just – there was so much media that week. I wanted to wait till the day of. But – you wait to the day of so many of the stories and, and you know, you gotta take pride in making your story a little bit different. So I reached out to Rocky again and I don't know if you guys know Rocky, but Rocky's uh, quiet, but he's very talented. He's very funny too in his own way. And I said, you know, I'm missing, I'm just missing something in this piece. Can you give me something that, you know, I'm just not seeing something. And he goes, did I tell you about the night I got there? I said, Oh, what happened? He said, they got to Gallo's house. Um, you know, he's like everyone's social distance, which I'm sure they didn't because it's old for, you know, old friends and you're drinking and you're outside. Right. Of course. Um, and he said that uh, he, Rocky's smart. You know, Rocky's a business guy. Rocky went to the hotel. He said, I, I tucked out at whatever time. And he said, uh, uh, or tucked in to his hotel, checked into his hotel room. And he said that uh, he got there at like 8.45 the next morning and call time was 9. And then it was 9.15. It was 9.30. It was 9.45. And no gallows anywhere. <laughs> wife went up to the, to the bedroom and said, you've got to get up. Because he was up till I think 3.30, 4.30 in the morning drinking. Uh, I'm sure it wasn't Coors Light. And uh, <laughs> He said, what, why don't you just leave me alone? I'm sleeping. And she said, Rocky and Carlo downstairs. Or Rocky and Chad are downstairs. And he, he said, what are they doing here? She said, you got a show. And he goes, that's today? So <laughs> that's, We're trying it definitely to get, adds to the allure of, of talking shop. I just interviewed Gallows on ad-free shows, but we're trying to get him on the, uh, on the show soon. I, I, I can't fucking wait. Uh, number eight. Number eight. Jeff Hardy has made like, Four comments about this in the past week. Will we see Willow versus The Fiend? And what the fuck is that going to look like? We'll start with you, Justin. I, I have a question for Robert on this one. Jeff Hardy does not have much of a he, – he's got a following for sure. But he, he doesn't have much of a presence on social media. Is he tweeting this or is someone doing it for him? He's doing interviews. He's dropping it in a lot of interviews. I'm just curious about the, the Twitter, though. Do you think that's him on Twitter? I, he that man has no idea how to use a computer. So I just don't see no. Jeff. I can, yeah, I, I don't see it. Zach, did you tell the story of uh, the the guy who um, Scott's friend who met Jeff Hardy drunk at WrestleMania weekend? Have we told that story? 
I think Scott did tell it. Oh, Scott did tell it. Anyway, I'll, I'll retell it, Justin. Apparently, like, uh, some guy was just at a bar with Jeff Hardy, and Jeff Hardy, like, didn't say anything to Jeff Hardy, and then Jeff Hardy just turned to him and goes, what do you think happens when we die, man? Like, out of nowhere. Um, can, I, can I get a quick Jeff Hardy story? Yeah. Yeah, with for sure. Impact, uh, they, they actually did a show in uh, Everett, Mass., not too far from where I am, uh, but just working on pieces with them. And Jeff, we were doing something, we were just doing an interview. Where I, I don't remember, I think his music career we were talking about. And the plan was he was going to fly. Man, it was like, we we're going to do a 10 o'clock interview some night. Uh, no, no call. 11 o'clock, no call. 12 o'clock, no call. 1 o'clock. I think I just went to bed. And uh, he called at like 2.30 in the morning. And he said, uh, sorry for the late call. And he goes, it's, it's 11.30 here. I hope it's not too late where you are. And I said, Jeff, I'm on the East Coast. You know, it's, it's 2.30. I'm half asleep, and he goes, it's a different time where you are? <laughs> That's fucking nice. Yeah, it is. There was, but we didn't, we, we rescheduled the interview. Man, I hope they do this match. Just, I, I don't know how much the rights to Willow cost. I'm guessing like $400. I can't imagine it being a lot. But do the match just for the sole purpose. It's at least a bump that Jeff Hardy doesn't have to take. Have them, like, do, like, shitty sci-fi CGI against one another. I don't fucking know. Robert, is there any – would you – do you think there would be any interest for a Willow Fiend match? I really hope not uh, for the <laughs> sake of the fandom. Look, I think what it, the only way it makes sense is if, for whatever reason, Jeff is not re-signing and they need to get rid of him. They do a weird Firefly Funhouse match where, you know, the Fiend consumes Willow and he's gone <laughs> forever. And he's in that little hole they keep John Cena inside the Fiend's, you know, uh, body. That's the only way it makes any sense. I don't think that Willow has any equity with the WWE audience. It's not a character that they know who it is to try to tell that story. It's not a charming story. It's not like when Mick Foley was dude love when he was like a kid. And you're like, oh, it's like, no, this is a drug induced fucking alter ego of this uh, dirt bike riding guitar player slash wrestler. Uh, I don't think I don't think the audience would really care. They delved into it a little bit in that Sheamus match. When all of a sudden, like he, you know, they they put the hat over him, they took it off, and he now has face paint on, and he's got magical powers. Jeff Hardy can't have fucking magical powers. Uh, I'm sorry, like there's too many. There's a weird thing to say in wrestling. Like, there's too many people with magical powers in wrestling right now, and they don't need to give it to to Jeff. Yeah, you can't. On that be... note, though, can you let Jeff? Don't they want to hold on to Jeff though, just for the just to keep him out of AEW? I agree. I, it's 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 always tough too when the talent goes back to the Daniel Cormier thing. I think Cormier again would make. A lot of sense in that role, but it's always tough when the talent is is if they're the one saying it. I think may, maybe WWE it loses a little bit of interest in the sense that I don't know how bad did they want it. I feel like if, if they wanted it, Jeff wouldn't be talking about it in interviews, and and they they'd be having internal discussions. Uh, but but I'm sure they want to hold on to Jeff, no? Oh, they definitely would want to hold on to Jeff. I think the intellectual property piece of what he what he does, he still does have a fan base, and keeping. The Hardy Boys out of AEW has got to be a major priority. So they're gonna they're gonna pay him a lot of money. I just would pay any amount of money to hear the conversation of Jeff Hardy and Vince when he's trying to pitch him on Willow, because there's <laughs> no way Vince is gonna understand what the fuck he's talking about. Maybe they just do a Willow angle, but they don't air it. Like they just <laughs> they get like a bunch of fake cameras and they're like, oh, they're gonna love this, Jeff. It's not like Jeff's gonna watch the fucking show. Number nine. <laughs> just don't what, tell I'm sorry, Rudd Preston. What? Just, just don't tell him. 
Yeah, just don't tell him. It's fine. Number nine, Teddy Hart arrested again. Teddy Hart, the Tiger King of professional wrestling. Uh, I guess he was... I guess he was arrested for being a fugitive this time around. It's always a new thing with that fucking Netflix 10-part documentary crime series of a person. Uh, Robert, what, what, what did you feel like when you heard this news? This is just lazy booking at this point. Like, come up with something <laughs> new, dude. It's like another week Teddy Hart's been arrested. The sun came up, the sun went down. Um <laughs> it's like he he can't help but find himself in this position and he's been given a million chances and it's one of those it's a sad story in wrestling that becomes funny and then becomes sad again in a cyclical nature and he's he's such a squandered talent and uh give it a week and uh he's either going to be back in jail or he's going to be running for uh, governor (laughs) were you together in mlw i drink a lot because I worked with Teddy Hart. Um, yeah. You have a Teddy Hart story for us? A Teddy Hart tell? story. That I, oh, it was one that I can tell. Um, one that you can tell, yeah. yeah. Man, it's, it's tough. I think one of my favorite Teddy Hart, it's not even a, a story per se, but just in terms of what it's like to work for him. Because this is a guy who's burned just about every bridge he has, but uh, the the owner of MLW has a soft spot for him. And, and he's a, a really talented wrestler challenging dude to work with um but uh did i did i tell dan the story about uh when we did the uh the shoot in uh on on the in the penthouse for mlw in new york maybe it's uh, if you did it's time it's it's still time Uh, i'll tell it again that's fine because it's it's where my my so we were filming pre-tapes in uh in new york state we were doing our our, an mlw show in, in manhattan um and we're filming pre-tapes in the in in this hotel. Their their ballroom, for lack of a better term, was on the the top floor of, of this hotel. And one of the angles we were filming was we had the we had the Hart Dynasty. It was Teddy Hart and it was Davy Boy Smith Jr. And then we had Brian Pillman Jr. signed, and he was being mentored by Kevin Sullivan. And the idea was Sullivan had fucked up Pillman, his dad, and led him down a, a wrong path and could have saved him and didn't with this dark path of drugs and self-destruction. That's he cool. Was trying to, he was trying to save Pillman Jr.'s soul. This is the kind of cool shit we were telling when nobody was able to watch MLW, um, <laughs> which is frustrating. But the, And then Teddy and Davy Boy were trying to pull him into their their heel stable of like, you know, oh, no, we're, we're hearts. We all got to stick together, and we're the, we're the next generation. So it came to this culmination, this, this showdown in the stairwell of the hotel um, where – Pillman makes his decision to turn on on Sullivan and he takes his cane and he smashes it across Sullivan's head and Kevin's bleeding and it's this great moment. Uh, and about two hours later, we're all still hanging out there, uh, the door flies open and the police come in with their guns drawn. Like, what oh the fuck? God. We look outside, the hotel is surrounded by cop cars because somebody in the hotel heard loud shouting, a, a bang that they thought was a gun and there's blood all over the stairwell. So being the only lawyer that's there, I have to go talk to the police and explain to them, no, 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 we're filming a TV show. And while I'm trying to calm this all down, Teddy walks over. He's like, I got this. I'm Teddy Hart. <laughs> they, they know who I am. And he's, I'm like, of all the people to talk to the police, the guy who definitely has about 10 warrants out for his arrest is not the one that's going to smooth this over with the cops. Oh. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's my, that's my Teddy Hart story for today. Can I jump, jump off that real quick? Yeah, yeah, for sure. 
is there a more talented guy? He to me, he's on the short list of people not signed by WWE, AEW, uh, Harry Harry Smith, David Boy Smith Jr. Like I think that he is so talented. I don't know what he's 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 great for MLW, but I'm just surprised he's not with a bigger promotion. I'm surprised New Japan didn't do more. He was in that tag team with Lance, and they were great. But to me, he's I, I just see money signs when I see that guy work. I agree. I, I it it blows my mind that he's not in a more prominent position in WWE or at AEW, given that uh, TJ, that Tyson Kidd and Natty are still in WWE. Uh, I know that he was he was in he was he did an episode of the Bump because they, remember Davy Boy was going into the Hall of Fame. Okay, I feel like right, that right. was going to be his in, but now the Hall of Fame just is the year it never happened. Um, I, I don't. I thought they were going to potentially do it SummerSlam, and then they didn't. So I don't know if they're just pushing it off to 2021. That and might Batista's be his. doing his best uh, to to not get in all, all those anti-Trump tweets. Uh, he's we'll see if he still gets in, but um, it's, yeah, he's going deep cuts. He's going after Mike Serenovich. It's like real. He's going on. real di- deep cut for Ray Wing. Look, I don't know what's going to happen to Teddy Hart, but I do know if history is in any indication, uh, Marty Jannetty will outdo him next week. Number ten, <laughs> Sasha Banks is in the Mandalorian. Which wrestlers would be the best fit for the Lucas Lucas verse? Robert, are you a Star Wars fan? Uh, I am. Yes. Okay. So who do you who who would you who would you want to see? Who do you think would be a good fit? So I think there's there's two guys that that jump out to me. I think uh, I think Finn Balor, the way that he plays the demon, he's the kind of guy that can get buried under a lot of makeup and still maintain yeah. who he is as a character, and he's got an intensity to him. And I think just from a size and an intensity standpoint, again, would probably be Braun Strowman. Is is yeah, a dude that you can make? Movies, man. Justin, yeah, Braun sticks out. Um, I've actually. I, I'm going to lose some street cred on this. I've never seen a Star Wars, so I, I wouldn't want to feign uh, authenticity there. Oh, my God. Our, our, our listeners are throwing their retainer cases against the stereo. I like that you just called it a Star Wars. I've never seen a Star Wars film. I know, but you're like, I haven't seen a Star Wars. Like, it's, it's just a, it's a weird turn of phrase to, uh, to do that. I, I like it. Let me ask you this though: Do you, if if you if you were to start from the beginning, do you, do you go in the order they came out in the theater, or do you go in the real? Because you can you can go in the right order too, right? Like the actual order they they time. I don't so. So I've had this conversation. My my wife is a is a Star Wars fan, um, and uh, we've had this conversation because we're trying. You know, you got to figure out how you're going to raise your kids properly. And we've talked about when we introduce the Star Wars movies to our kids, you have to start four, five, six. You have to start with the original trilogy and then you know you can you can show them the prequels and then you can show them the the later ones uh if that's the way that you want to do it but you you have to start with the uh the original three but that's it's when are the kids when are your kids gonna watch i'll 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 time it out to watch when they watch so my daughter tried watching the first one she she made it through it okay though i i special you know point of parental pride we showed her back to the future last week and, which is my favorite movie of all time. And not only did she love it, she's seven. She figured out one of the twist endings about halfway through the movie, which blew my mind. When they're formulating the whole thing with, with George McFly and, and Marty, and they're like, he's like, I'm going to be in the car, and then you're going to pull me out. And then my daughter just goes, well, what, what if Biff's in there instead? Like, how the fuck did you figure this out? <laughs> it's not exactly what I said. I'm not going to terrify my child, but uh, <laughs> there was a lot of profanity and, and freaking out. Robert, we gotta, I got to pause you real quick. The fact that 
uh, when that door opens and, and George Crispin Glover looks and it's not, it, he, he, you know, he, it's the plan, right? And, and he realizes it's Biff. It is phenomenal. Am I messing that up? Who, who, Biff pulls, Mar or he pulls Marty out of the car. No, no. Biff pulls, uh, uh, yeah, Biff George. pulls Marty out. Yes. And then George yeah. opens the door and there's, so you get the reveal from both guys. Right. Um, but uh, I don't know what this has to do with Sasha Banks and the Mandalorian, but we, we've taken a we've taken a detour. One, one quick story. I was at a comic con, some comic con, and I thought, oh, it'd be great to get a Christopher Lloyd quote on on Hogan or said so it was a Back to the Future thing. So I, at least I could at least I could work something in with Christopher Lloyd. And um, man, when I asked him about Hulk, I don't know if he'd ever heard of him or thought of him. He reminded me a lot of his character from Taxi. Um, <laughs> I, he, he told me a story about, uh, I can't think of Biff's name, but he told me how Biff used to always, he was a great singer, I guess, and he would sing on set, and he would really light up the, the, the crew. Yeah, he sang at a Jonah Ray's wedding. Yeah. What? Yeah. I knew, I've, heard, I've seen him do stand-up where he sang once. I didn't realize he sang at Jonah Ray's wedding. That's pretty What's amazing. his name? Yeah, I guess they're friends. Ah, I forget. Thomas Wilson. Thomas. Wow, great job, yeah. This is what I'm here for, mainly Back to the Future related. Uh, I can't believe we're going to be texting all night about Back to the Future. I can't wait. Are, are you a fan of all three? Of course. Yeah. I, I, all right. Above my above my bed, I have an Enchantment Under the Sea painting, um, which just the fact that I'm even married astonishes me. <laughs> to yeah, this, you have, it is it is a miracle that you and I are both married. Justin, are you married? I'm not, so maybe that's. Uh, but. I, I need I need my uh, Enchantment Under the Sea moment. Robert, how would you describe Enchantment Under the Sea to someone who's never, doesn't know what it is? Uh, what's what's the line from Doc? It's a, uh, do you remember this? It's a, it's a, uh, oh yeah, it's a, it's a uh, ritualistic mating, uh, a mate, yeah, uh, mating ceremony. Rhythm, mating rhythmic? Rituals. Rhythmic yeah. mating ceremony, yeah. I'm, I'm used to making weird deep cut Back to the Future references that no one gets. This is a quick last one. I swear we haven't hijacked this into a weird other podcast, but um, <laughs> my I got married on November 6th and my rehearsal dinner was November 5th, which is the date that Marty goes back. So you get a, you get a, uh, when you're at a rehearsal Damn. dinner, you get like a groom's cake. So I had to pick a groom's cake. So the groom's cake that I had made was the uh, Welcome Home Uncle Joey uh, cake from when he got freed from uh, prison and never got it. And the, the highlight of all of it was my friends knew what it was. My grandfather's wife looked at it and goes, who the hell is Joey? <laughs> highlight of the entire, not the highlight of the wedding, sorry, but at least the highlight of the rehearsal dinner. Better get used to these bars, kid. I hope your groomsman or your best man said goodnight, future boy, to you at the end of the night. Oh, that would have been great. Damn it. Yeah. That's why I didn't, I'll I should have picked you. I'll, here, I'll text you that tonight, yeah. Here's like, uh, you know, I'm not like a Star Wars super fan. I like some, I don't like the other. Here's the guy I want to see most in the Star Wars universe, Vince Russo. I think he would be an awesome bounty hunter. <laughs> Get back to bro. the Falcon, bro. Get back to the Falcon. Well, that's our episode. Uh, let's get the plugs in. Justin, what do you got? It's been a fun week. If people want to take a look at Justin Barrasso on Twitter, this week we had uh, a piece with Paul Heyman today, the Daniel Cormier piece, uh, where we can wrestling column on Wednesday. Uh, there'll be plenty more content next week, too. I'm at si.com slash Justin Barrasso. I always think of the internet as the Wild West. You can find anything about anything. So if you're clicking and reading, I'm grateful. And uh, feel free to reach out on Twitter. And again, for you guys, thank you so much. This has been so much fun. You guys yeah, man. Thank you. Come back. Robert? I'd love to. Thank, thank you so much. And maybe by the time I come back, I'll have seen at least one Star Wars. So that's a, a, a Star Wars. Uh, we, we need you to meet a woman first, you know, and then we'll be, then, then you can start that journey. One step at a time. 
one step ladies, at a time. Ladies, he's he's single. Um, yes, and support. I mean, this look this this fledgling Sports Illustrated thing. I don't know if that, that <laughs> it's going to work. It's one of these you know startups uh, fly you know, fly uh, flash in the pan by night. Yes, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at wwcreative underscore ish. And for my my fellow uh, Jewish podcast listeners, happy Rosh Hashanah. Hey, I, I got a question for you, Justin. Who do you who do you think right now, if you had to pick sports person of the year, who would it be? What a year to pick. Um, I know it's a crazy year. That's what that's that's why I, uh, I'm asking you. And even <laughs> even if uh, he wins, it's you can't go Brady, and t- Brady would be next. Ah, I guess how the season goes, you, you you can give Brady a shot. Does anyone in baseball necessarily stick out as a sports personality? I'm not sure. Uh, basketball right now I'm in love with the Denver Nuggets but I'm not sure that that sticks out that's a really tough one um let's see how it plays out but like right. LeBron's in the running because absolutely of LeBron I, you know uh but if they you get a win too I don't know that's that's a really tough question I don't think it's anyone in the NHL because no one cares especially when we see a lightning stars cup it's like right um right now I, I think LeBron's probably in the running but uh I wouldn't discount Tom Brady. I, I still think I know they got beat up by the Saints, but the Saints are good. Uh, we'll see how they they do in a couple of weeks. I I'm so biased for every Boston athlete too. So uh, that's a good. Who would you pick? I don't know. I mean, I think you know the right now you'd have to say LeBron. I mean, Patrick Mahomes won his first Super Bowl, right? But it really, but the it's weird because it's like the football season is like cut right in half, right? So it's yeah. always it's always tougher for for that person to to get it um yeah I, I i man i don't know i mean you you could always make a you could always make an argument for amanda nunez and she never she's never selected she's the greatest female martial artist of all time absolutely and if she has one more fight the, after, her, after the baby uh i don't see like i love i love steve i think steve is fun but it just doesn't fit but amanda nunez with her voice with her i mean if there's a better pound for pound athlete in the world I, i'd love to watch them uh, yeah, I think Amanda Nunes would be a phenomenal choice. Yeah. Let me uh, – oh, Robert, what, what do you got to plug this week? I, I plugged my Twitter. I plugged uh, the Jewish New Year. That's that's what uh, – and our, our, our Patreon uh, this Sunday, you want to tell them? Yes, what uh, let's uh, let's go to the Patreon. Uh, Clash of the Champ- – Night of Champions is coming up. So um, we are going to be doing um, some – uh, Clash of the Champions, uh, top five uh, Meltzer-rated Clash of the Champions matches. Ric Flair versus uh, Terry Funk in 1989, which is one of my top five favorite matches of all time. Ric Flair versus Ricky Steamboat in 1989. Man, 1989 was a great year. Ric Flair versus Sting in 1988. I'm starting to think this Ric Flair guy was pretty good. Dean Malenko versus Ultimo Dragon. And the Midnight Express versus the Fantastics. So check it out. Uh, become a Patreon member. Uh, as far as uh, as far as my plugs, uh, I have a new video that's uh, Comedy Central dropped yesterday. You can find it on YouTube. You can also find it on my bio on Instagram. It, it, it goes back into my drug days when I was a lot more fun than I am now. Uh, please subscribe the podcast, rate the podcast, tell your friends about it. Uh, buy our shirt. It's on Pro Wrestling Tees. And finally, Zach Attack, what do you got? Wash your goddamn hands. Wash your motherfucking hands. Thank you, guys. Have a good one. Take care.